Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Asbury, Methodist Village, and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. Welcome into episode 174 of the Tool Shed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We are continuing our Dynasty Ranking Series today. Went over our outfield prospect rankings last episode, so go check that out. And we also had a nice FYPD mock draft on Monday, too. That's episode 172. Check that out as well. And we will be in our Dynasty Outfield Rankings today. Always a fun position. So much elite talent and depth at this position. It's going to be a lot of fun. And with me to break it all down, as usual, is my 80 great co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, bud? Not too much. A tornado watch here in South Carolina. A bad storm come through, and luckily luckily it didn't get too bad. It seemed like it would, and the radar seemed bad, and I was with everyone we had to record, but we end up okay. And you're at the opposite end up there, aren't you? A bunch of snow, so. Yeah, it snowed today. We had a weird like pressure system. It was so like it was 70 degrees here today, but literally 10 miles north, it was like 50 degrees. So oh, that wow. was what they said was like that weird, like it was what caused the storm to be so bad. It was just bizarre. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. What weather's weird, man. It's just so weird. Okay. Like today it was snowing and sleeting, and it was like that what we call the wintry mix where it's just like a bunch of crap all at once. And then tomorrow it's going to be like mid 50s and everything's going to melt. It's just been. Mother Nature is, I, I don't know what's, what's going on with Mother Nature this year, but she's, uh, she's a little bit off her rocker right now yeah. and everywhere, not just you know, Northeast, Southeast, Midwest. Like, like I was recording with on, in this league with, with Walsh and Bogman, like the, one of the nights on the week before Christmas. And it was like 50 degrees here in Maine, or at least in the 40s. This is late at night. And it was like 16 degrees where Bogman is in Houston. So it's just, which is weird. I don't know why Maine was warmer than Houston, but I was throwing that that freeze they had out there. But all right, enough weather talk though. We got we had some baseball chatter to get to here. Before we do, the usual housekeeping here. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross04. And our podcast is at Toolshed Pod. Notice a different handle there. So at Toolshed Pod. 
If you enjoy this podcast, please write and review. Check out my Patreon for more work from me and Chris's Substack for more work from him. And make sure to check out all the other great stuff that Fantrax and Fantrax HQ have to offer. 2023 Fantasy Baseball Leagues are open and in full swing. And our 2023 Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit kicked off earlier this month as well. A lot of fun stuff in there. All right, let's hop right into it here. Again, this will be just the Dynasty Pars. We already did our Outfield Prospects episode. And right off the bat, you know, Chris alluded me to a what he called a spicy rank to start off. So we'll, that's where we'll start there. So, Chris, who are your top 10 Dynasty Outfielders? All right, so I debated one and two pretty heavily and ended up at Acuna at one. So Ronald Acuna Jr. at one, Julio Rodriguez at two, followed by Jordan Alvarez at three, which those are my top three overall, so that's fun. And actually, Tatis is four overall, so Fernando Tatis Jr. in the fourth spot, followed by Kyle Tucker, Aaron Judge, Mookie Betts, and you may not have noticed, I hadn't said this name yet, but Juan Soto is at eight, which Eric hates, and I'm sure it won't be popular. (laughs) <laughs> among listeners or readers, but Juan Soto at eight, Bryce Harper at nine. Yep, still hanging there with him and Corbin Carroll at ten. Yeah, man, I, it was it was funny because I didn't see it at first, and Chris was like, "Oh, you haven't seen my my spicy rank yet," and I'm like, "Oh, let me go look." So we 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 have this spreadsheet that we've been putting all of our our rankings on for this for all of our episodes. So we can just quickly look at it side by side. And I was kind of like scrolling down. I didn't catch it at first, and I'm like, "Oh." Get a little Juan Soto there at eight, but so yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that here in a second here. So mine, the top 10 is so, really the top 14, 15, 16 are really, really fun names, and you can really order them many different ways, but I go, I, I had a similar debate at the top there, J-Rod Acuna. I've gone back and forth 5,000 times on this. At this very second, I have J-Rod 1, Acuna 2. That could very well switch, you know, next week, so. I think J-Rod might be, I don't know. I don't know who has a higher up here upside. We'll get into that, but I'll go J-Rod at one, Cunha at two for now. But if Cunha comes back and the power comes back, I can see him leapfrogging a J-Rod, but we'll see. I have Soto at three, Tucker four, Tatis five. Again, that was another trio I kind of got back and forth on. Jordan Alvarez at six, Aaron Judge seven, Mookie Betts eight, Bryce Harper nine. So both of us keeping Harper inside the top 10. And then I have Mike Trout still at number 10 overall. So let's get into that, Chris. We'll we'll start with, with Juan Soto. I'll, I'll admit, Soto is a hard one to rank. And I, and I did have that thought cross my mind where I, I was like, all right, maybe he is, you know, I don't want to say a better real-life player than fantasy because I think that's kind of a little bit, a little bit unfair. But it it's kind of true. As well, where it's like, all right, we know he's one of the you know the best hitters, you know, best you know guys to have on your team that you'll build around. But you know, all the walks. It sounds like we we've talked about this with prospects and you know guys that have these super super high walk rates. You know, it limits them a little bit with their overall value. And I think that's been the case for Soto. It takes away you know at bats for you put balls in play, get more RBI, get more home runs, etc. So it's it's a fair you know conversation to have like all right does he need to be dropped down a little bit i yet to do so i want to see you know he is with, with the shift i think the shift bands i think he's going to be a big beneficiary of that he was still putting up great you know contact rates barrel rates hard hit rates second half of last year even if the surface stats weren't quite there he was a bit unlucky so i i'm waiting to see all right what does he do this year before i maybe drop him down a, a few more spots but why don't you go, go ahead and give your reasoning why you moved soto down to eight 
Well, part of it is, I think, the better real-life asset. And even in an OPP league, I mean, I think there's more value for sure than a batting average league, despite the fact that he's been a 287 career hitter. He's still a good average. But at the end of the day, we've just never seen like the elite power and speed out of him. His peak season is still going back to 2019 when he hit 34 home runs and stole 12 bases. Has not eclipsed 10 stolen bases since then, nor has he broke 30 home runs since either. And we've looked and we've seen, so last year, 27 and 6. And in that top 10 spots, like you really need to get good power and speed. And you just have to like, Soto's sprint speed's not good at all. I mean, he was 33rd percentile sprint speed last year. So it's not like he's going to be a great runner. He's going to come back and steal a ton of bases at all. And you look, and he's never really been an elite speedster. We've, we've known that. But right. you also look at this lineup that he's in now and how much will he be able to run, I guess is the question. Because the lineup top to bottom in San Diego is just really, really good. And I'm not sure it's going to present many opportunities for him to steal bases because they're not going to need to manufacture runs that way. So they're just really going to have no desire when you have Machado and Bogarts hitting behind you. It'll, why Why would they run? So do, I guess is my question. So from that standpoint, I'm not projecting him for more than you know five to seven stolen bases. I know he had six last year, so I'd say five to seven is a, a comfortable range to go with him. And even if he hits 30 home runs and puts a 280 average, like, that's still a borderline top 10 overall dynasty asset. I know in OVP, yeah, he gets a little bit of a bump because he's going to post an OVP over 400. He he has not had a season where he was below 400, which is just insane to see. Right. I'm not. I'm curious if any other player in history has had their first five seasons with OVPs over 400 every year. I probably am. I doubt it actually happened. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at one player real quick. There's only one who, person that comes to mind. Ted Williams. Let me look. I mean, he probably did. Ted Ted Williams put an OBP over 400 for the first, oh, Lord, 4, 8, 12, 16, 17 years of his career. That's insane. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm curious about that. Like, mo- more modern day, like, who would it be? I look, Ty oh, Cobb, mo- actually, Ty Cobb has the most seasons with a 400 OBP or higher with 18, followed by Barry Bonds and Tris Speaker. Ted Williams had 15 seasons, Babe Ruth 15 seasons, Eddie Collins 15 seasons. Over 400? Over 400, yep. Oh, Not in weird. a row, but just over 400. Because he he has, according to the baseball reference, 18 seasons over 400 OBP, so that's weird. I don't know what's Who's not Ted Williams. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm on stat use because I just Googled it, and that's what I clicked oh, on. Oh, gotcha. So. Ah, weird. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, then here's the issue. It came up with more than 400 plate appearances. That's what it would be. Oh, yeah. okay. I didn't see. Yeah, fifty-two and fifty-three. He didn't really play at all. Okay, never mind. I, I totally, I wasn't looking over there. <laughs> but still, regardless, you know, credible feat by Soto for that. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, that was a tangent, but a fun tangent. I'm, I'm going to explore and see because I think it make for a good tweet if I can find it. Anyway, so with Soto, like I said, thirty home runs, five stolen bases. I think is a reasonable expectation. He's going to score a lot of runs. I think that's a, a pretty much a guarantee in that lineup. RBIs, maybe more of a question. If he's hitting second behind Kim, that, and, and I know Tatis will come back and make that lineup much better. But for now, it's, I don't know. I guess that's my questions of, you know, why did his average dip last year? Well, it was a little bit of Babbitt fueled. I mean, 
a 249 BABIP is a large reason why that happened. But you look, and Soto puts the ball on the ground a lot. And last year was his career low line drive rate at 16.2%. So when you're not hitting the ball on a line consistently, you're hitting more pop-ups, hitting more balls on the ground, you're going to naturally run lower BABIPs. And that was the case with him last year. And this isn't to just say that like I'm completely out on him because we're still talking about a top 10, borderline top 10 dynasty asset in my rankings. But I'm just wondering at what point do we finally say like, all right, he's not a bona fide top five. He's 24 years old. He was 23 all last year. It's, I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy to even act like that he's just going to fall off the face of the earth. This, that's not the case. But I just think there's other players that are, I mean, Jordan Alvarez with no speed provides more fantasy value than Soto, in my opinion. The difference is, look at the number of hits. I mean, Soto, 127 hits last year. The year before, when he hit 313, he had 157 hits. The issue is the walks, and you're just not going to get the fantasy production that you do because he walks so much. Now, going on Jordan, on the flip side, you look, and he has astronomically higher hit rate because he doesn't walk as much, and he still posts high OBPs and good walk rates. Like He posted a 14% walk rate last year, but Soto just walks almost too much, which is weird to say, but for fantasy, yes, that does matter. No, it absolutely does. I think there's that, obviously, in real life, you know, great, you know, get on base, but for fantasy, I think there is that fine line, and, and where that threshold is, I don't know. Is it you know over fifteen percent, over eighteen percent, over twenty? I don't know. I have to look into that more to see like where it really starts affecting players' value. But he's been over twenty percent each of the last three years. He's actually been very consistent, little over twenty percent walk rate. K rate's been right in that low to mid fourteen percent range. I'm just, I'm going to give him this year. You know, like I said with, with the with the new shift rules, that lineup behind him. I was just pulling up projections because. Obviously, Steamer's been out for a bit. The Bat and Bat X came out today, which is a lot of fun. It's always fun when a new set of projections come out. And the projections, you know, they're pretty close. You know, the Bat X has them at 31 home runs, 102 runs. The Bat, 28 and 10. Steamer, 33 and 10. All the steals are, excuse me, that was 33 and 9. All the steals are 8 or 9. Average right on 280. Runs 100 to 112 or so. 28 to 33 home runs. I just want to see what he can do this year with, with the shift ban. I think that'll help him. The lineup, and he's played over 150 games back-to-back years. I just want to see what this year looks like. And if it's kind of similar to last year, then I think I'm gonna, I might be in the same ballpark as you. I, I just want to see because, you know, previous two years, hitting 351, obviously shortened season, and 313, you know, was one of the best, you know, short sample sizes we've ever seen out of him in 2020. I think he can get that average back up. You know, I don't think he's you know going to. I say he hit, he hits closer to three thirteen than two forty two this year. I think two eighty two ninety range is fine. I think that could be one hundred and twenty plus runs, maybe even higher. You know, if he's getting on base and getting those guys behind him when Tatis comes back. So I, I'm going to give him this year. I think there's be a big bounce back, but yeah, he's definitely one that's he's he's always been hard to rank. He definitely has because of that high walk rate limiting him a little bit, taking away some of the damage he could potentially do. But I definitely agree on you there, but I'm, I'm probably a year behind you on this, but we'll see if that happens for me next year. But Jordan has a case for just being the best hitter in the game in general. I think that that's a very strong case for that. And can we stop with ranking Vlad over Jordan in any freaking format? I'm, I can, it's still happening this year. That's something 
fell off my desk there as I'm so upset. I'd not angry. I know. I'm not, I'm not going to, what even was that? Oh, a picture. There we go. It's not broken. Don't worry. But Jordan is better than Vlad. You know, people are like, oh, look at what, you know, yeah, Vlad has the best individual season, but that was boosted by Denise and the Buffalo. But we're not going into that again. Look at what Vlad does. I mean, Jordan does. And that's not a knock against Vlad. Vlad's very good hitter, you know, elite hitter. But Jordan is just one of the, again, could be the best pure hitter in the game. We look at, you know, blend of contact and approach and power. He is elite and you know, he could easily do, you know, judge to this year. I could see Jordan hitting 50, 55 home runs. Every, everything is just so elite with him. XBA was 329 last year. X leg was 672. Those are even above his surface stats. He, the imp- approach has improved last year as well. Like everything is there. So, you know, he, he's right in that cluster where these guys are all back to back. So it's basically a coin flip, but yeah, he is absolutely top 10. And then I want to see too, speaking of, you know, Houston Astros here, Kyle Tucker, you know, in, you know, having the, speaking of the shift ban here as well, he was a guy that you look at his shift metrics here as I pull them back up. So he was shifted against 91% of the time last year. Woba, Against the shift, 336, no shift, 463. This is still a guy that went 30-25 last year. You know, obviously, I'm not saying he's going to hit goal, you know, 40-35, but you could easily see, you know, thir- another 30-25 year, but get that average back up a good 20 points or so, which will lead to, you know, more RBI, more runs, more, more than likely, get the OBP up a little bit as well. So he's a guy that I think he could be in a top five mainstay for a while, and you know, what's it going to take, do you think, for Tucker to cement himself and get up right up as we, where we're talking about Munya? I think long term, I wonder if there's not that big of a gap between the two. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I think especially with the shift being banned, it, it will make a difference. Now, Tucker's an odd one because he's not the fastest runner either. His sprint right. speed last year was very poor, but he still manages to be efficient on the base pass, which... He makes it work, but on the other hand, I Acuna is still still has the speed. I mean, he came back from you know the ACL injury last year and still had high end sprint speed. So, I think you know what he is capable of from a stolen base standpoint is just much higher than what we can see from Tucker. I think forty Agreed. stolen bases would not surprise me at all out of Acuna and Tucker. I think I feel comfortable saying twenty. But he, we saw 25 last year, so so why not 25 again, I guess? And the average should bump up. They may have similar averages. Acuna definitely has the upside over him, but you're right. Like There's probably going to be seasons where we see Tucker provide similar value when, when they're both healthy and have full seasons. So I, I'm right there with you. I have Tucker you know, in the sixth spot, I think, overall for my rankings. Yep, sixth overall. So... To me, like he's that's a, a tier at this point. Like, I'm not sure because my overall is Acuna, Julio, Rodriguez, Jordan, Tatis, Otani, Tucker, and then Bobby Witt comes in next. I, I don't have a problem saying that first tier runs through Kyle Tucker, and then you can start tier two with Bobby Witt Jr., but there's a chance, obviously, Bobby Witt Jr. could bump up into that, that next grouping. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you on that. You know, we, we differ a little bit on the on the order, but my top seven right now is J Rod, Acuna, Otani, Soto, Tatis, Tucker, Jordan. So 
I think I think then it's you know Trey and Bobby Witt and Joe Ram and Judge, but I think that's you know if you wanted to put like like I said Jordan two like great. If you want to put Tatis still at two, great. Like I don't have any issue with that. And the fact that we still have Tatis top five, and you know we still have Harper top ten here, I think that shows that we're not really you know we I think we both bumped them down a little bit. Due to everything, all the all the injuries with Tatis and all the other crap that's gone along with him over the last couple of years, you know, obviously the Harper injury this year unfortunately bumps him down a few spots. But I'm not, I'm not worried about Harper. I'm definitely worried about Harper. I think he'll be fine. He's a gamer. Hopefully, this is you know finally cleans everything up and he's you know clean bill of health moving forward and he's a few more years of being an elite stud you know into his early 30s. Tatis, you know, I am worried about. Obviously, to a degree, like if, if you're not worried about Tatis at all, then I don't know. You don't have a soul. You don't have feelings or something because there's definitely some concern here. But at the same time, I keep going back to that 42, 25 year, just 130 games. And he's probably the only guy in baseball that could go 50, 30 or even 50, 35. Like that, I don't I obviously love Acuna, love J-Rod and all them. I don't think either of them could go that to that level. I think if like, everything breaks right for a and every player, highest pure upside is Tatis, and he's shown that. So I'm still very fine having him in my top five here and overall, and I almost put him ahead of Tucker. Like I was flip-flopping him and Tucker, but yeah, he definitely should be top five still, in my opinion. Yeah, and it just shows you what kind of player he is, that he can stay in the top five despite everything going on. It's funny right. when you click on his fan graphs page and the news, like the Rotowire news, it says Tatis. And then in, in parentheses, shoulder, wrist, suspension was cleared to begin <laughs> baseball activities. That was on the last week on the 6th. So it, it's crazy. I mean, just look at the projections that have come out on him. The bad X has him, and this is over 125 games because he does have to serve the suspension, 36 home runs and 22 stolen bases, 92 <laughs> runs, 90 RBI. So that's just nuts to think about what he can do over a full season and the most games we've seen him play was in 2021, and that was 130, and he went 42-25. So it's crazy, but 50-30 is a realistic possibility. Like, I don't see yeah. any other player that... I think 40-40 is possible for Acuna, but no player in baseball can do 50-30 except Fernando Tatis Jr. Now, how will he come back from these injuries and even the suspension? It's still to be seen, but the talent level is there, and there's no denying what he's capable of. So it still warrants this spot in the rankings. Oh, for sure. I could, there was no doubt in my mind. Like I've seen other people drop it lower, and I, and I get it. You know, if you if you're more worried about you know everything going on with him, okay, I can see it. But yeah, I just couldn't. Looking at the talent, it's hard. If it, you know, if it just goes goes on for another year or two, all right, I'll probably drop him lower then. But let's see what he does this year before we make any big drastic movements down. All right, let's hop into the next set of ten rankings here. This will be 11 through 20. For me, that's Corbin Carroll, who I almost put ahead of Mike Trout. That was back and forth on that. I have Michael Harris, 12. Robert, Eloy Jimenez, and Randy Rosarena, 13, 14, and 15. 16 through 20, Jordan Walker, Dalton Varshow, Cedric Mullins, Andrew Vaughn, and T. Oscar Hernandez. Who you got, Chris? All right, so 11 is Michael Harris, the second, which is weird that he said a Mike Trout, but he is. Mike Trout at 12. Luis Robert at 13, Randy Arozarena, Jordan Walker at 15, and 16 through 20 is Eloy Jimenez, Cedric Mullins, Jackson Churio, Adelise Garcia, and then Dalton Varsho rounds it out. 
this was a really interesting range for me. There's a lot of guys in here that are hard for me to rank. Like Dalton Varshow, you know, do I value him? I'm trying to think, like, will, will I still value him here if he loses catcher eligibility? Maybe he'd move down a few more spots, but I don't think it'd be a drastic drop up. But he's still a you know potential 25, 15 outfielder. So I think he should stay in this range for sure. The one that I wanted to bump down more, and I think I moved him down ultimately a couple of spots here. I think he was probably, I think he was right behind Rosarina and I moved him down to 18 with Cedric Mullins. You know, he doesn't hit lefties overly well. He, he started to lose some at bats against lefties late in the year. And obviously, you know, the numbers were still good. They weren't 2021 good, obviously, but. You know, he still had a pretty good power speed year. I just wonder if that's why you know, I did a I'm starting to do a dynasty buy sell holds series over on my Patreon going team by team. And I started with Baltimore and he was the sell here. And I'd said, like, oh, you know, I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff anytime soon. But I see if his value is going to go one way or the other, I see it going down as opposed to up. So I don't know. Mullins is one where. I might be looking to sell him right now. If you can get close to top 50 value in a one-for-one swap, but maybe a, a different position that you need, that'd be something I'd probably entertain right now. Yeah, I think so too. I'm certainly not opposed to that. And we knew that the 30-30 season was not repeatable. And if you were disappointed by what he did last year, then I don't really know what to tell you because that was more of the expectation that right. he would be like a 15-30 type. And he did exactly that. He's 16 home runs, 34 stolen bases. The average did take a hit to 258. Again, that was more what we expected. So with Mullins, I am a bit concerned about the platoon risk as as Baltimore continues to have these prospects keep coming up in the system. What's going to happen here? I mean, Mullins isn't a good hitter against lefties, and we saw down the stretch like he really began to lose playing time against them. So while he would still be on the strong side of a platoon, the playing inconsistently has me a bit worried. So I'm, I would look to cash out on if you could, because I think that there is still value to be had with this, with a 28 year old, you can get a decent return from him and knowing that he's probably never going to go 30, 30 again, or probably even close to it. And I think there's still some value to be had there just because people remember that. And it's not that far out. I mean, you look and Mullins just does a lot of damage to the pool side. That's really it. The numbers just aren't encouraging at all. I mean, his average exit velocity is below average. Max EV is below average. Everything's kind of below average. And last year, he began to hit more fly balls, which really wasn't a good thing in his case. It was honestly more the pop-ups. I mean, his pop-up rate was 11.5%. So that that increase, the line drive rate went down with him. So. Overall, I mean, the profile's fine, but I think I would cash out if I could in a dynasty league. And, you know, you can probably still get a, a pretty good player from that. Yep. I'm there with you. Luis Robert, Chris, is this like, is this his make or break year for you? Because obviously I've always loved Luis Robert, you know, and look at the talent. He has first round fantasy talent, but look at the last few years. Oh, yes, he played 56 out of 60 games in 2020, oddly enough. But in 2021, 68 games. And then 2022, 98 games. He's only combined for 697 plate appearances over the last two years. Yeah, yeah, he set for a solid average, 38 and then 284. 12 home runs, 11 steals last year. I think that was right around like a 20, you know, 24, 22 pace, something like that. But the walk rate remains low. He, he just can't stay on the field. Like, 
how long we so we both have him where'd we have him i had him 13 oh we both had him 13 overall like how long do we keep him here chris i'm, I'm starting to as much as i like the guy i'm like dude you gotta show me something soon or you're gonna drop you know a much lower in my rankings yeah i i agree and i think that health's obviously a big factor there like he just gotta be on the field and he hasn't shown the ability to do that also I find this interesting that his savant page now says Luis Robert Jr. Are we gonna see him start going by that? Is that gonna be on his jersey? I did see that too. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the first I've seen that. But uh, well, one of the issues with Luis Robert is that he chases way too many pitches. The skills are there, the tools, the power, speed, everything you want to see is there. But health's an issue, and the swing and miss is an issue for him. I do think that it's a huge year for him, and we need to see something out of him to really just and like keep this ranking because he could fall off pretty hard and go to like a back end top 100 dynasty asset. I'm holding for now, but I do think that the drop off could be pretty quick. Yeah, I think this would be a good year one way or the other for Luis Robert. He's either going to, all right, finally tap in that potential, put it all together and put together like a, you know, a, you know, maybe like a t Kyle Tucker year from this year, you know, 30, 25 type of year, or he's going to have another year where it's like, all right, flashes of brilliance. You know, maybe he has a good, you know, full season pace, but he's only playing 90 games, 100 games, whatever it may be. And if he has another one of these, if he, let's say he repeats 2022 or something in that ballpark, yeah, he's going to drop down, you know, a good, you know, probably out of my top 50. Like the, there's a lot of rain, wide range of outcomes here for Luis Robert this year, but I'm hoping, you know, I have him on several teams. So I'm hoping that it's the, uh, the good Robert and not the, the falling down the rankings, Robert, but, we shall see. All right, let's go take us to a quick break here to get a word from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County takes senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's keep going in our rankings here, but to recap real quick, top 20 for me was J-Rod, Acuna, Soto, Tucker, Tatis, Alvarez, Judge, Betts, Harper, Trout at 10, Carroll, Harris, Robert, Jimenez, Rosarena, Walker, Varsho, Mullins, Vaughn, and T. Oscar Hernandez at 20. For Chris, Acuna, J-Rod, Alvarez, Tatis, Tucker, Judge, Betts, Soto, Harper, Carroll at 10. Harris, Trout, Robert, Arozarena, Walker, Jimenez, Mullins, Churio, Garcia, Adelis, and Dalton Varsho at 20. Let's go 21 through 30. Chris, who you got? All right. So 21 starts with Andrew Vaughn. You just mentioned Teoscar Hernandez, Brian Reynolds, James Wood, and Riley Green. 25 spot. And 26 through 30 is George Springer, Kyle Schwarber, Drew Jones, Tyler O'Neill, and Byron Buxton. Oh, good old Byron <laughs> Buxton, man. Another one that I just I don't know where I want to rank him. Is obviously there's still a lot of good there, but a little, even more bad. So I have him a few spots higher, but I think that I think this is a fair range 
for him. It's I think it's just outside my top 100, around 110 overall. But he's another one that could, you know, jump up 50 spots, move down 50 spots. Another big wide range of outcomes with him. My 21 through 30, I have Adelise Garcia, Riley Green, Brian Reynolds, Jackson Cherio, George Springer. Another one that's kind of hard to rank, but I wish you would say healthy. Byron Buxton, Kyle Schorber, Tyler O'Neill, Taylor Ward, and big old James Wood there at 30. With, you know, the one I'm really interested in this year, we both have him at 23, Brian Reynolds. It's no, you know, secret that he's going to leave Pittsburgh sooner rather than later, whether it's this week, next month, you know, in March, in July, at the deadline. I don't know. But he's not going to be in Pittsburgh long term, and we could speculate, you know, all day and night where he's going to be. But I think regardless of where he goes, it almost feels like a positive wherever he goes, doesn't it? Like, obviously, the Pittsburgh lineup isn't that great. You know, especially if he goes to, like, he's probably going to go to a contender, right? Because I don't see, like, a bottom-dwelling team trading for a Brian Reynolds. It's probably going to be, like, all right, a Yankees or a Dodgers or you know, a team of that elk, a team that's, you know, going to be a postseason contending team on paper. So you got to figure wherever he goes, he's going to be a net positive. And he goes to Yankee Stadium. We see that power get up over 30 home runs with that short fortune right field. I would love that for Brian Reynolds. So he's he's definitely a buy right now. And I think he's just always going to be underrated, but that might come to an end if he gets out of Pittsburgh and gets into a bigger market. Yeah, imagine him in a Yankees uniform. That tax would be oh geez, pretty the, high on him. It would ju- it would probably jump too high for my liking there, but this shows you, like, I think he's a very good hitter that gets underrated because he's in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, and it's certainly an issue playing there and in that lineup. It's just far from ideal. And, you know, Reynolds had a, a crappy 2020, but he's kind of proved at this point that that's just not who he is. Like we, we knew that. I mean, it was a insane pilot opportunity after that season. You know, he was sub 200, seven home runs and 208 plate appearances. But that was after a rookie season where he hit 314 with a 377 OBP. Despite that bad 2020, still a 281 career hitter, which is you know fantastic to see. So, I think that you move out of Pittsburgh, you get in a good lineup, and the numbers could really take off. I still think that he's got 30 home run potential, and he's going to be a positive in speed, maybe 5 to 10, and that's going to play. I mean, we can take that and run with it all day long. The sprint speed's still good. The contact skills are really good. The chase rate was interesting last year. It did kind of take a a step forward in a bad way. I mean, he chased a near 36% rate, which was a career high by a decent margin. And you have to wonder if he was pressing, just trying to do too much because he had nobody else around him. In the process, though, his zone contact rate was a career high. So those things are encouraging. Really good line drive hitter, healthy amount of fly balls that lead to home run. I mean, his home run to fly ball rate has been really good throughout his career. So in Yankee Stadium, God, be amazing. But, you know, I think anywhere he moves is probably a net positive. So. I'm looking forward to it happening, but regardless, I think Brian Reynolds is still a bit undervalued in dynasty leagues and and should be you should go out and get him if you can because there's a lot of value to be had. So I'm looking, I just pulled up his spray chart at Yankee Stadium. There's at bare minimum three more would have gotten out. There was two doubles and one marked as an error that would have gotten out. And there's just a bunch right on the wall. So let's just say there's probably right on the wall one, two 
five or six, let's say another two or three, you're talking another five, six home runs at least at Yankee Stadium. There's a lot more that were just right there at that wall. Yeah. So that could, that, that wind tunnel out in the right center, you could get a few of those that kind of fell short on the map here could have carried a little bit further because you look know, at that wind tunnel that effect they have there in right center. So yeah, I think Brian Reynolds goes to Yankee Stadium. He's probably low 30s home runs and obviously much better lineup counting stats will be there. He would jump into a probably a top 50 player on ADP. And oh, yeah. I, I can totally see that. I would love, I can't wait to see where he goes. I'm kind of hoping that happens sooner rather than later. But on, on the flip side here, a player that's probably the polar opposite of Brian Reynolds here is Byron Buxton. And again, I think people just assume whenever I tweet about Byron Buxton, usually it's more, more so me telling people to sell and, and pointing out the, the flaws here. And people, in the replies, it feels like people just think it's, oh, he's going to stay healthy. Yeah, that's one part of it. But it's not like there's not an issue here with the bat. Yeah, the you know the sprint speed, phenomenal. He's one of the fastest players in the league. He's got huge raw power. And he hit 28 home runs last year and 382 plate appearances. But are we is everybody just going to ignore that he's a 244 career hitter with a 301 OBP? Is that just, just going to get glossed over? That hit 224 Maybe. last year? Like Maybe so. Can we talk about that for a second? Like, people need, I don't know why people are just, oh, yeah, he's easy to say healthy. No, there's other issues here besides that. Outside of, you know, one year he hit 306, his next career high is 262. There's a bunch under 250. Is a year he hit 156. He had 28 games, but it's just, it's not just the health, it's the batting average, it's the K rate, it's the fact that even though he has all this speed, he only had six steals last year and he hasn't really. You know, shown, you know, he's a six, nine, and two. So the last three years in 192 games, he has 17. So he's not running a whole ton here. He doesn't get caught a lot. He's a very efficient base dealer, but the floor is just so low with him that even if you're getting the put appearances, which you're not, like he hit 224 last year. It's almost like empty power at certain times. And then we see what can go right with a 306, 358, 647 slash line. In 61 games here before that. So I just can't do it anymore with him. And I don't even know if I like my ranking of him now at 26 at this position. I think I should bump him even lower. And maybe I'll eat my words and he'll finally put together that one year and jump way back up rankings. But I just can't do it. I have zero shares of him. And I don't envision myself having any shares anytime soon. Nope. There's a lot of flaws. You've mentioned a lot of them. I mean, the contact rate was 68.8% last year. That's not good. The chase rate was north of 30%. His home run to fly ball is consistently good, but also he hit 51% of the balls in the air last year. That's just not healthy for batting average at all, especially when you're looking at saying 12% of them are pop-ups. That's just You're going to get so many outs because of that. And it, you know, 18% line drive rate is not good. There's just... I don't know. I mean, we're we're talking about now a 29-year-old who has shown flashes of putting it together, but I'm not sure we're ever going to see the season that we think that we can get out of Byron Buxton, and I just can't do it. I, I just can't get myself to invest in him in a dynasty league or really anything for any league for that matter because there's way too many red flags for me outside of just the injuries and we we've hit on those. I just, he could fall out of the top 
150 in Dynasty before long, I think. Yeah, he, he's already outside my top 100, and yeah, that could easily happen. You just look at you know the breakdown of pitch types here. It's just so all over the place. Just look at fastballs. Starting in 2017, going up through last year, I'll read his batting average on fastballs, or against fastballs. 271, 150, 279, 188, 333, 225. It's just so up and down. Same with breaking balls. You know, 220, or 192, 226, 356, 303, 258. It's just so, nothing about his profile anywhere is consistent. I guess the one thing is the hard hit rate is in the barrel rate. Those have been consistent over the last couple of years. But outside of that, yeah, yeah, he can hit the ball really hard. But like you mentioned, he almost kind of sold out for power last year. The expense of the batting average doesn't really run a whole ton anymore. K rate went up to 30.4% last year. I'm just out. There's always going to be many people that like him more than me, and I just can't stomach the price. I never have, and it's getting worse and worse. And he's 29. You know, what's he's got to get into his 30s soon, and, you know, these players don't magically start getting healthier and more durable in their 30s. Usually the opposite. And they've already had this, so many issues with durability in his 20s. Where are the 30s going to hold? I, I don't want to yeah. see. You know, I don't want him on my team to find out. And luckily, I don't have any shares. So I will, I'm happy keeping it that way for sure. Yep. The other one here, you know, I had him at 21. You had him at 19. But I feel like he deserves a little, little bit of discussion here. It's Adelise Garcia. Yeah, he's like the profile. When he broke out in 2021. I think the general consensus was like, all right, that was cool. That was fun. But let's see what he does the following year. And then he had another great power speed year, 27-25 last year after going 31-16 year before the year before that. And you could argue that last year was even better than this year, or at least the same. Yeah, slightly different power speed, you know, breakdown. But another great year of two straight years above 25 home runs and above 15 steals. Added in 88 runs, 101 RBI, 250, 300, 456 line. Obviously, the approach is still an issue. Did trim the carry a little bit, improve the walk rate a little bit. Both are still bad. You know, he's still, you know, he still chases way too much. He still whiffs way too much. But at what point, like, all right, maybe he can maintain. I don't know. It's, it's I'm still kind of, even after the last two years, Chris, I'm still like, all right, you know, he's fun, but. When is the the floor going to fall out here? Yeah, that's, I think that's the question. I think that's what we're kind of waiting on. Now, the power is pretty evident that I think it's here to stay, and the sprint speed's good, too. He gets the ball extremely hard, and honestly, like, it's his profile's not that dissimilar from Luis Robert, which I find interesting from that kind of standpoint. I mean, Robert does make better contact that's really the only thing but they both chase a lot and they both have you know good power and speed like i said the only thing robert really has going for him is the fact that his zone contact rate was you know about 10 percent higher other otherwise that's the only thing keeping robert ahead of him right now but from adelisa's standpoint the fall off could be pretty significant he's almost a case where he doesn't walk enough and you know last year it was 6.1 percent which was a career high. I know it's only been his second full season, but he went from 5.1 to 6.1%. Still not ideal. He, he ran a 300 OBP and he ran a sub 300 OBP in 2021. And while the power speed is enticing, this is a profile that could fall off really quick if the Ks are still high. He continues to chase bad pitches. I'm afraid of that. So I may be looking to sell him in a dynasty league because 
he can't hit breaking balls. I mean, last year he was his batting average was below 200 against breaking balls. The XBA was not encouraging at 208 either. 41% whiff rate against those pitches. That's not what you want to see. So when you're just that bad against them, it, there's some red flags. I'm looking to cash out if you can. I think that Adelise can still provide value, but I'm not sure he's going to do it at that level again. Like 25-25 was a huge season for him. I'm not sure we see that. And I'm just willing to, I, I want to get out from under him. He's going to be 30 before the season starts. Now, that's not always the worst thing in the world, but the hit tool just has its concerns for me. And the chance of him becoming hobby bias could happen really quick. Yeah, I do. I was literally just about to say that. I'm like, is he just outfield hobby bias at this point? And it's it's, it's funny that he's already like pushing 30 because he just broke him last year. He was one of the obviously the older guys breaking at 27, but that's going against him too. Because like if he was 24, or 25, all right, I'd be more willing to probably even rank him a bit higher. And I, I still have him top 100. I think I think he warrants that right now. I think we both have him top 100. But yeah, this is one where I think there's a better chance of you know like. I'd say if there's, if there's a better chance of him going up or down 40 spots, it's probably going to be down 40 spots at this point. But yeah, I think the power is there. It's probably going to be always a pretty good power speed level for the next few years. But is that 250 that we saw this past year, is that like the high mark in the 300 OBP? Is he, you know, he probably has a better chance of hitting 200 than 260 at this point. So I don't know. I, I like him. I think it'll be fine. I think he put together another pretty good power speed year. But yeah, I, I think with him getting already up in, into his 30s pretty soon here, all the issues with the, with the approach here, like he's, he's going to be a fun player, but he's going to be a maddening player to mm-hmm. roster month to month, week to week even. So yeah, if you can get someone to pay borderline top 50 value or top 60, top 70 value, like a one-for-one swap or, or something like that, I'd definitely be, yeah, I'd definitely look into that as well. What a fun player in this range. We both have Riley Green in this range too. Where are you at on Riley Green? You know, and not just with, with the ballpark. Obviously, that doesn't hurt. That doesn't help. Excuse me. But at the same time, they are moving in the fence a little bit. But I also saw that only twelve, or like eleven or twelve deep fly balls there would have gotten out with these new dimensions. So I don't know how much it's going to help. Maybe minimal, but I don't think it's going to be huge. But just in general, Chris, like, are you still you still thinking Riley Green? Like, is there is there a path for him getting to, let's say, top fifteen? At this position, do you think that's there? I don't know if it is. I think right now, I, I don't know if I like my ranking at 22. I feel like this is who he could be at 22, and I'm pretty much giving him that ranking before even seeing him do it. So I think I might move him down a little bit. I still like him, but I don't know. I think he's just going to be one of those guys where he's going to be you know, a little lesser version of Reynolds, who I only have, well, I actually have below him. So I need to change right now. Yeah, I'm Reynolds over Green. I do think the ballpark could help a bit, but there is a big issue in Riley Green's game, and it's, it's ground balls. Yeah, It's always been an issue throughout his career. And last year specifically, I mean, we saw it at 55.3% in AAA, and it was 56% in the majors. Now, it was, a, it was sub-50% in 2021, which... You'd definitely like to see, but it's all—it's just been increased as he's moved up levels, and it's almost like pitchers have found a way to pitch him to induce the ground balls. He makes good zone contact, and the contact rate is about league average, but the ground balls just are going to be the issue unless he can fix that a bit. 
you know, he's not going to get to home runs when he's hitting, you know, 23% of balls in the air. Like you go from Byron Buxton at 51% to Riley Green at 23%. percent <laughs> It's not going to cut it there. And you know, we did see the strikeouts. That was a concern too, because we did see those in the minors. And, you know, even dating back to his debut, I mean, the strikeout numbers were pretty high and they, the lowest rate we ever saw was in low A in 2019, but that was just over a 108 plate appearance sample with 24% K rate. Anytime that he's been, you know, above 150 plate appearances, he's had a strikeout rate north of 23 or 27.3%. So those are con- a bit concerning to me, the strikeouts and ground balls. Now, the upside's still there. He's young, he can certainly make adjustments. And it is worth noting that, I mean, he played last year as a 21-year-old in the majors, which that speaks a lot of volume. But at the end of the day, I'm not sure how much speed that we get from him. I don't think he steals a lot of bases. And the power, like, what does he get to? I mean, I think Reynolds is a fair comp, but a worse batting average out of Green. I don't see Green hitting anywhere close to the batting average that we could get out of Reynolds. So that in itself leads me to believe that should adjust my rankings even a little bit more, even though I had Reynolds higher. Yeah, I'm trying to think there should be a, a bigger gap there. So, yeah, so I like Green. I think he's going to be you know a d- pretty solid hitter for a long time. I just don't see him really standing out. Like I said, I, I could see low you know, low 20s home runs if he starts hitting more fly balls. I could see you know a little bit of speed, but nothing impactful and the d- good but not great average. So, yeah, I think I, said, I think he's going to be you know a guy that could probably flirt with Top seventy-five, back in top one hundred status every year, but I just I don't see him ever getting top fifty. I just really don't see that path. I think he'd have to have a lot of things break right up, change a lot of things, run more, et cetera, et cetera. And I just don't see all those things happening. Maybe one or two of them, but yeah. Again, so I think Riley Green is a, a sell high as well if you can if you can do so right now. All right, let's let's keep it going here. Next ten in our rankings. Actually, let's just finish out our top fifties here. So we'll go 31 through 50. For me, I go Sia Suzuki, Nick Cassianos, Jake McCarthy, Colton Cowser, Drew Jones, Stephen Kwan, who's a hard one to rank. I'm, I moved him up and down, but right now he's at 36. Christian Yelich, Pete Crow Armstrong, Ian Happ, Chris Bryant, who, again, another guy I have zero shares of. He just can't stay healthy. Starling Marte, Giancarlo Stanton, Alex Kirilov, MJ Melendez, who has outfit eligibility for now. Elijah Green, Evan Carter, Jason Dominguez, nice little trio of prospects there. Lars Newtbar, Zach Veen, Gavin Lux, and Cody Bellinger. Actually, that's 51, but whatever. Cody Bellinger right want, there. You wanted Bellinger. I just man. wanted to say Bellinger. <laughs> so, so, which is, he's right around 200 overall for me, just to give a yeah. uh, rough range. Right. All right. So at 31 for me is Taylor Ward, followed by Asiya Suzuki. I like both those a lot as buys right now. Honestly. Oh, 100%. I was going to mention Taylor Ward specifically. Yeah, both those are, are big-time buys for me. But let me keep going with Colton Kalser at 33, Christian Yelich at 34, Nick Castellanos at 35, 36 through 40 is Jake McCarthy, Chris Bryant, Ian Happ, Evan Carter, and MJ Melendez. 41 through 45 is Lars Newtbar, Elijah Green, Giancarlo Stanton, Starling Marte, Harrison Bader, and then rounding out from 46 through 50 is Mitch Haniger, Jason Dominguez, Stephen Kwan, Pete Crow Armstrong, and Brandon Nimmo. And I've got Cody Bellinger at 52 for what it's worth, just to throw his name in too. So both kind of the same range there. So I'm going to take a, a stab at it and say that 
to all the listeners listening, they're probably the first thought after hearing us say those 20 names each are, what the heck is Starling Marte doing that low? He is one that we actually discussed before we started recording when we were kind of fine-tuning our rankings, putting them on the sheet and looking, doing our last little our checks here to see if we liked our rankings. And we always change stuff. This, this is how we are. But we have him 44 for you and 41 for me. I think that puts him like 150 to 160 range, roughly, in our overall rankings. We were looking like, all right, like you mentioned, Chris, the sprint speed is declining. And when that goes, like, what is Marte? He's 34 now. So I just see this this free fall continuing, kind of like what Whitmerfield has been going through. So yeah, you know, he still could be solid this year if you're for redraft purposes, back at the 100 guy there. But the, the arrow is definitely trending down here for Marte. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think the fall off could happen pretty quickly. And this is kind of why I've dropped him so much because of what we saw with Whit Merrifield last year. Both similar ages. Marte's 34. I'm not sure when he'll turn 35. I want to double check that. But regardless, like the falling off can happen quick with this kind of profile of player. I mean, Marte just turned 30, 34 in October for this world. So he'll play the whole year as a 34 year old. But I don't know. I just, the Whit Merrifield thing scares the heck out of me. And from there, like, I, I'm trading him in nicely if I can. The sprint speed has, has fallen off a bit with Marte, and it could go even less this year. Not even to mention the fact that he's hurt all the time. I know he's still eclipsed 500 plate appearances the last two years, but there's just a lot of these little injuries here and there. And I do think that may hurt his ability to steal bases, even get to power. So, you know, to me, Marte, I don't know if he gets to 30 steals again. I'm profiling him for this season as more of a 15 home run, 20 steal type. And the average, who knows? I mean, yeah, he's a career 290 hitter, but the fall off happens quick. Like the aging curve when we get to 34 for a player of this profile, it just doesn't age well. And that's my concern. So I'm selling him off if I can. Yeah, so so am I. You know, he's hasn't played more than 120 games in each of the last two seasons. 120 in 2021, 118 last year. And he only played 132 in 2019, 145 in 2018. He hasn't even gotten to 140 since 2018. And yeah, he's it's like he's playing 80 and 90 like like Robert and and boxed him, but you've seen that sprint speed took a big nose up. Yeah, he had 47 steals in 2021. Great. That's that's that was wonderful, and he was very impactful, and probably won people some some money that year. But the sprint speed has been in constant decline the last few years. You look at you know percentiles: ninety two, eighty nine, eighty three, sixty eight. Look at sprint speed right here in feet per second. Was at twenty nine feet per second in twenty nineteen, and then twenty eight five, twenty eight four, and twenty eight last year. So. That's probably going to keep tri- ticking down here. And so I, I won't be surprised if he didn't even make it to 20. And he played another 120 games, so missing some time, declining production. Like I said, he'll still be good. He'll still be solid enough. But yeah, in Dynasty, is the one I'm trying to. I don't think I, I'm trying to think if I have any shares of him. If I do, it's only one. So, But I'll have to look. And if I do, I'm going to try to you know, sell him right away. Because, yeah, that, that decline has already started happening. Hard, you know, hard hit rates, barrel rates have never been great. They even ticked down. A bit last year across the board, you know, K rates going, well, it's still fine, but walk rate went back down to 5% after going up to 8% the previous year. 
just not a lot to like, at least long-term, you know, projection-wise. So, yeah, definitely looking to sell him right now. We have back to what we were kind of talking about at the beginning of this L1 that I'm especially buying is Taylor Ward, who obviously came out like a man on fire beginning of last year. And, and everybody like, oh, what, what's, what's this Taylor Ward guy doing here? And then he fell off. There was, you know, I forget if it was an injury. I think it was it a wrist injury middle of the year or a hand? I can't remember what it was. But then after he kind of got, you know, came back and got healthy again, he ended the season very, very hot. So, like I said, from 824 to the end of the season, which was 146 plate appearances, 353, 397, 579, with seven, excuse me, seven home runs, two steals, and only a 15.8% walk rate and a 226 ISO. I'm really buying him right now because I think he's legit. Is he as legit as he was beginning of the year? No. But is this a guy that could hit, you know, 280 or so with, 25 plus home runs, a little bit of speed and solid counting stats. Absolutely. I don't see any reason why he can't looking at his, his metrics. Yeah. I mean, he even finished the season as a 281 hitter. So that look, I broke his season up into three parts, basically. So the, the beginning of the season through May 20th was 131 plate appearances. The unrealistic numbers, like you said, it was 370, 481, 713 slug, nine home runs. He had a 17.5% walk rate and a 19.8% K. So on May 20th, he left the game with a shoulder and neck injury. From there, he came back on 526 and struggled. I mean, he was he was not ideal from he was he missed some time here and there, but he was clearly injured through the end of July. I think he was still working through it because he hit two seven or slash two seventeen, two ninety-six, three fourteen, just four home runs. But then as you mentioned, he got healthy. He may be back fully over the final two months of the season from August 1st on. He was 288, 346, 481 with 10 home runs. Now, that slash feels pretty appropriate. So you kind of extrapolate that out, and you have a 25 home run hitter and with a solid average, with some speed, as you mentioned, in a good lineup. Like, I really like Taylor Ward a lot. So I'm all in. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be a you know back end top 100 guy moving forward. Maybe even a little higher than that. I could see him, you know, in my overall. Let's see where he's at. In my overall, he is. Yeah, he's at 106 right now. In my overall, I think he could he could even tick up into that back end top 100, and maybe even you know, like I'm wondering why do I have Riley Green ranked ahead of Taylor Ward? I mean, obviously yeah. there's a little bit of an age gap there by about. See, Green's 22. Ward is 20. Okay, so this is you know, nearly a seven-year age gap, so that definitely factors in. But that shouldn't be a huge gap, I don't think. So I, I think I need to move Ward even up a little bit, move Green down a little bit. They probably should be a bit closer here than they are in my overall. All right, Chris, let's uh, let's round up the show here. What's a, Who's one guy in this 31 to 50 range that we just kind of rattled off? Is there one guy that stands out to you as having a, a higher chance than the others to break into, like, let's say the top 20 or even top 15 at this position next year? <laughs> I mean, everyone will say Lars Newbar, but listen, this is the Lars Newbar hype is going. Yeah, it's pretty wild. crazy. I, I like Newbar. Yeah, I, think, I, think he's, I think he's just a good little player and in a favorable spot. But yeah, I, people that are going like bonkers over him, like, he's not that type of player. Let's calm down a little bit. I agree. You know, I'm going to go out on a limb with a, actually, I'd say fairly risky pick and say Jake McCarthy. Oh, you stole, dude. That's what I was going to take, too. <laughs> well, it's it's probably just 
the clear one, I guess, of this grouping, unless we expect a prospect to debut and really bump up, because McCarthy just if if he plays every day, which I think is a real possibility, I I seem to think that he's going to be just an everyday guy. I think there's a legit shot that he's 15-30, 15 home runs, 30 stolen bases, with a respectable average. And to me, like that's going to lend itself to pushing up in that range of outfielders. Now, I also, I'll let you hit on him a little more, but I also like C.S. Suzuki a lot and think that he could take that next step. He, he doesn't have the power speed intrigue, but he has the power and he still has a little bit of speed to offer. And he makes really good zone contact. He hits the ball really hard. I think Suzuki is going to be a big breakout this year in his second year in the States as someone who just turned 28. I'm excited to see what he can do as well. So both of those are ones that I think could really take big steps forward. So yeah, McCarthy, I'll let you hit on him a little more if you want, but I really like those. Yeah, no, that's where I was going to go to. And, and you look at McCarthy's, you know, stack cast page outside of sprint speed. It, it, there's nothing that really, there's actually a lot of, actually a lot of blue on that Savant page, but those aren't everything. And especially with a guy like McCarthy that provides so much value with his legs. He had 23 steals in just 354 play appearances last year. I think he could be kind of like what we've seen from Whit Merrifield, you know, over the, you know, a few years ago, but that kind of several year stretch where Merrifield was like, all right, you know, not a lot of power, but 10 to 15 home runs. Good average. McCarthy's always hit for a good average in the minor leagues, and he hit 283 last year. I think 270, 280 is definitely reasonable. And 10 to 15 home runs, maybe you know 16, 17 some years. He showed a little more pop in the minors than what he showed now. And add in this is a legit 30 plus steal guy, like you mentioned, Chris. If he gets that playing time, and even if he's not like 100 full time, but he's still getting like 550, 575 plate appearances. That could be 40 steals. Like he's got that type of game changing speed yeah. where he doesn't need to be stout with the bat to provide value. If he can just, like I said, hit 270 with 12 home runs, go along with like 35 steals. And I'm assuming, I want to see where, I know roster resource isn't everything, but I want to see where, you know, that site projects him in the lineup. Let's see. They have him. Oh, here comes an ad. Hold on. X out of that. And now it's loading. There we go. So they have him third. Okay, I don't like that at all. But like Steamer has him at 15 home runs, 27 steals. I th- I'd take the over on with 595 plate appearances. I would take the over on that stolen base total. 15 kind of fair, 258 average. I'll take the over on that too. I think he's hitting probably more towards the top of the order and moving, you know, Marte and Carroll down a little bit. I can see him, you know, maybe I don't know about leading off, but maybe number two and in the order, scoring a good amount of runs, all those steals. So, yeah, I think that that's the way he provides value. And, you know, probably top 15 might be a little high when we're talking about, you know, guys like a Rosarina and Aloy Jimenez and kind of that range right now. But I think he's definitely due for a nice little jump here in 2023. It needs to playing time, but I really like him a good amount as well. Like He's, he's definitely one to, to watch this year. Yeah, I agree. Man, that's some some fun names for sure. Yeah, I guess I, I think Ward can jump up. I, I think Ward could flirt. Uh, you know, I think Ward could could flirt with top 15. Like, I, I think the the profile is that good all around. I think he could. I don't see any prospects really getting in there right right away. Like, you know, Colton Cowser will debut early. I don't think he's top 
jumps up to that rate. Maybe down the road, maybe, but I don't see him jumping up there quite yet. Obviously, Drew Jones is too far away. He won't debut this year or even next year. You know, I, I buy a lot. It's kind of a little bit different, but you know, Alex Kirilov, we both have down here. What should, don't, do you have Kirilov or no? All you, do, but I do. I, I don't. No, I uh, like Kirilov. He's not far out, but yeah, he, he's still he's a great buy low for me. And it, maybe new, maybe would you say Newt Bar's a sell high? Or I think we both think that Newt Bar's a good player, right? Yeah. But is, would you consider Newt Bar more of just like a hold, or would you would you try to sell high given all the hype around him right now? I mean, it it can't be you know bad just to you know see what you can get for him. Yeah, I mean. There's so much hype right now that I would at least explore and see because there's some good opportunities that you could get for him, I think. Yeah. So I'm I'm all about that. I mean, according to the fan voting, quote unquote, allegedly, that MLB.com did, or one of their shows, I forget exactly which which what it was, but had him as what the fourth ranked right fielder above Acuna and those guys. So That's yeah, wild. hype hype. I don't know how much legit legitimacy there is to that, but yeah, that was a pretty crazy to see, and obviously that's just that's just clickbait. Don't take that seriously. But <laughs> like, I don't think fans would even vote him for. Like, I don't even think that's even true. But regardless, the hype right now is very high, so it, it can't hurt just to you know float him out there and you say, hey, hey, he's available. Come make your offer and have those conversations. Can't hurt. All right, I think that's gonna wrap us up though. That was a lot of fun. We could have gone probably another whole hour on some of the names even further down. There's a lot of fun here. But we will cap it at that. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at EricRoss04. Chris at RotoClegg. Our show is at ToolshedPod. Check out all of our written work at, for me, Fantrax, FTN, and my Patreon for Chris at PitcherList, at Fantasy Pros, and over on his Substack as well. So go check out that. Subscribe there as well. And we will catch you next time for what are we doing? Our starting pitcher prospects. Oh, that'll be a fun episode, mm-hmm. of course. Getting into the pitchers now, that's always a great time. So we'll see you then. But until then, everyone take care. <laughs> <laughs>